Well, good morning, church family. Uh, today is a special day uh, for us as we have an opportunity to hear from a wonderful couple that's going to come and share their heart and a little bit about their story and their journey here in just a few moments. Uh, Lydia and Taylor Whitley are with us this morning. As you heard, they were referenced in the children's message. They are currently serving as church planners in Germany. And uh, what a great opportunity for us to hear from them in the middle of our missions month and missions emphasis. Lydia grew up in this church, and so it's always great to have her back. And it's been awesome to see uh, Taylor and Lydia grow both in ministry and as a family. Uh, they have two little boys now, Luke and Caleb, that you'll get a chance to possibly cross paths with over the next several weeks when they're here with us before they return to Germany. Uh, and so when they had an opportunity to come on stateside, uh, we had an opportunity to, to really talk through uh, creating a space on Sunday morning for them to share their heart with you and for us to hear from them and be encouraged and inspired by what the Lord is doing, not just in their lives, but across the world. Uh, we look forward to continuing this journey with them. One of the things that I'd also let you know is that uh, as Lydia is finalizing her pursuit of ordination through our church, uh, she's got maybe just one or two more steps to go, and then we anticipate an ordination service for her on November 28th here in this room that evening. And so uh, family, friends, and those who want to support that, we would ask you to mark that down on your calendar as well. Uh, so it's just such a great thing to be a part of a church that sees people released and sent out into the world and to see those ministries develop. And so with that being said, why don't you put your hands together and welcome and show your appreciation for Lydia and Taylor Whitley. Come on up. So grateful for you guys for being here. Well, good morning, UBC. Good morning, everyone. It's so wonderful to be here with you today. As Jeremiah said, my name is Lydia Whitley, and this is my husband, Taylor, and my parents are Paul and Sharon Greitz. They're in the back there, and they are longtime members here at UBC, and University Baptist Church is really, I consider this my spiritual home. This is where I grew up, and as I look out this morning, it really warms my heart to see so many men and women who taught me about Jesus from the time I was a child to when I was a teenager, youth camps, border ministry, handbell choir, youth choir. Um, I see so many people that I know and love very deeply, so it is so wonderful to be here with you today. But as I look out this morning, I also see lots of new faces, which is really exciting. So for those of you who do not know us, as Jeremiah said, we are church planters in Germany. And we originally moved to Germany in 2015 to work at an international Baptist church, but then the Lord put church planting on our hearts. And so for the last two years, we have been serving with a German church, and we have been participating in a training pr program for church planting. And despite um, all the setbacks and surprises of this global pandemic called Corona, um, we were still able to help plant a new church in northern Germany called Fürthkirche, and we've actually brought a picture to share with you of our church plant. Um, this is Fürthkirche. We were meeting in a pop music school, which was really fun, and everybody's still kind of separated out a little bit because of coronavirus measures, but um, that was actually our last Sunday there with Fürthkirche, and we had more people than ever before in attendance, which was really exciting for us. Um, but we have since said goodbye to our church family in northern Germany because we are preparing now to move to Berlin, which is the capital of Germany, to begin a new church planting work there. But before I go any further, I just have to say thank you, UBC. We love this church very deeply. Thank you for your support, your financial support. Thank you for your many faithful prayers. 
We could not be doing this work in Germany if it were not for your love and support and encouragement. So thank you so much for having us this morning. So this morning, we want to share a little bit more with you about what God is doing in Germany. But before we do that, I want to take you back to Berlin 60 years ago. After the Second World War, Germany was divided between uh, four different nations. The United States, Great Britain, and France controlled the West, and the Soviet Union controlled the East. Now, tensions between these nations rose until on August 13, 1961, a wall was built. And overnight, the city of Berlin became divided. And you can see a couple of pictures from this incredible moment of history on the screen. And I imagine that as we look and see just the drama, the intensity of these photos, perhaps some of you remember this vividly, having seen it on television or read about it in the newspapers. Now, I want us to do a thought experiment here just for a moment. Imagine that tonight, as we all laid down for bed, a wall was built straight down the middle of University Drive. And in the morning when you woke up, if you lived on this side, you have access to things like Kroger and UBC. Whereas if you live on the other side, you have access to Fuzzies, thank goodness, and (laughs) Pascal High School. It's funny, you know, to think about this, but on a more serious note, can you imagine being separated permanently from family and friends who only live a few miles away? Now, over the last 23 months, we've all experienced small forms of separation with things like social distancing and quarantines. But these are minor inconveniences compared to the situation of Berlin in the 60s. You needed special permission to cross the borders, and guards on the eastern side were ordered to shoot anyone attempting to escape to the west. And we actually have friends in Germany who grew up in eastern Berlin, and they told us that when the tram would begin to move towards the wall, it would become so quiet in the train because of the fear and the tenseness of the situation. It was truly a scary time and place to live. And the Berlin Wall was this physical barrier that represented a political and ideological division in Europe. But what we find really striking about the Berlin Wall is how it just completely divided the citizens of Berlin. As Taylor said, almost overnight, family members, friends, coworkers, neighbors, they were divided from each other. But you know, lots of things in this world can divide us and separate us from other people, not just walls. For example, as Taylor and I live abroad and serve in Germany. Sometimes our our culture and our language can separate us from the people living around us. So we have to work really intentionally to make sure that our differences, our cultural differences, don't prevent us from ministering effectively. And in a different way, but more recently, Taylor and I have been watching from afar the increasing division here happening in the United States. People are very divided right now because of political convictions, what's being posted on social media, whether or not to wear a mask or get a vaccine. And sadly, these divisions are even coming into the churches. And as we live in this world where we can experience so much division so frequently and quickly, I don't know about you, but sometimes that leaves me feeling really discouraged. It leaves me feeling confused and sometimes even angry. But thankfully, not all divisions last forever. And so this morning, let's turn together in God's word in the Bible to hear some good news about broken walls. 
So this morning, I want to invite you to turn to the New Testament letter of Ephesians chapter 2. And if you have your Bible, please do that with us. If you have your phone or your tablet, go ahead and tap your way to Ephesians chapter 2. Now, we're going to be reading from the New Living Translation today. Uh, We found that working with people using English as a second language, the NLT is a really effective translation to communicate with them. And so we want to share that as we preach with you today. And as you make your way to Ephesians chapter 2, I want to take a moment just to pray and ask God to open our hearts and minds to receive his word. Father, thank you for the incredible opportunity to share your word today with University Baptist Church. Thank you for this truth from your word that you are the one who breaks down the barriers between us and you. And God, we ask today that if there is any barrier between us, God, you would remove it. You would allow us to hear and to receive your word with joy and gladness so that we could go forth and share this good news with others today. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit we pray. Amen. Now UBC is a church made up of lots of different people. I know many of you grew up in the Fort Worth area, whereas others of you moved here to study or for work. Some of you grew up in the country, like I did. Some of you grew up in the city or the suburbs like Lydia did. Some of us come from small families, other from larger families. There are lots of differences, lots of diversity in this church today. And in the same way, the church in ancient Ephesus was a very diverse group of people with lots of differences and uh, distinctions among them. And because of that, the opportunity for division was pretty strong. And so Paul, the apostle, a leader in the early church, writes this letter to the church at Ephesus to encourage them in their unity. And this is what Paul says, beginning in chapter 2, verse 11. Paul wrote to them, Don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. You were called uncircumcised heathens by the Jews, who were proud of their circumcision, even though it affected only their bodies and not their hearts. In those days, you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel, and you did not know the covenant promises God had made to them. You lived in this world without God and without hope. But now you have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Jesus. In this letter, Paul references two different groups of people, the Jews and the Gentiles, who were the non-Jews. And historically, tension existed between these two groups because of their differences, and these tensions could even sneak their way into the Christian community because the Christians coming from a Jewish background, they knew the scriptures, they knew the traditions, they were proud of their nationality and their identity as God's people. But the Christians coming from Gentile backgrounds They had previously been worshiping pagan gods and goddesses, and their political and social values were different than that of the Jews, and um, they just had some different ideas than them. And even though they now identified as Christians, the Gentile believers had once been called outsiders, and the Jews had even called them uncircumcised heathens, which is kind of an insult. Pretty harsh, yeah. Yeah. So we have these two different groups of people, and we could really say so much about these verses today. The theology is really rich here, but this morning, UBC, we want to look at the big picture with you. And in summary, Paul is telling these two groups of people 
that despite their differences, they have something really important in common. And what was more important for both the Jews and the Gentiles was more important than their nationality, their ethnicity, or even their previous religious experiences was their present saving relationship with God. Now they were all considered God's people because they had been united with God and Christ. And the same thing applies for us today too, UBC. Despite all of our differences, we need to be united with God and Christ. We need to be united with God and Christ. And that means that we need to have a right relationship with God. So that means that even if we grew up in a Christian country, grew up in a Christian family, or even attend church regularly, that doesn't necessarily mean that we have a right relationship with God. Because none of us are naturally God's friends. It's only when we personally trust in Jesus that we can have this right relationship. Now, I want to tell you about one of my friends in Germany. This friend and I have been meeting regularly for the last two years. Uh, he describes himself as agnostic. And interestingly enough, in our conversations, we found that we share a tremendous amount of things in common. For example, one of our really frequent uh, topics of conversation was about all of the division that exists in the world today. We agreed that we live in a divided world. Now, my friend says that this is due to a lack of education and a lack of human advancement. But I would say, uh, from the biblical perspective, that we live in a divided world because we are not united with God. Because scripture teaches that God designed men and women to have a relationship with him. Except we have broken this relationship. Some of us simply refuse to believe that God exists. Others of us know that he's there, but we reject the plan that he has for our lives. And this disobedience or this rejection, which the Bible calls sin, separates us from that right relationship with God. And the really bad news is that there's nothing you or I can do to fix this relationship on our own. And Paul, in Ephesians chapter 2, describes this life without God as a life without hope. But there is hope. There is good news. Let's go back and look at verse 13. As Paul explains it, he says, But now you have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. This verse teaches us that Jesus removes the barrier of sin. He breaks down the wall of sin that separates us from God. And when Paul says the blood of Christ here in this verse, he's using a word picture to remind us of Jesus' sacrificial death on the cross. Because someone does not sacrifice their life for someone else unless they have a really good reason to, right? Just a few months ago, we remembered the 20th anniversary of 9-11. And on that day, we remembered and we honored the victims of that horrible, horrible day 20 years ago. But we also honored the many heroes, the women and men who very selflessly sacrificed themselves in order to save others. And so in a similar way, but in a much bigger way, our separation from God is so serious, it's so dire that Jesus came to sacrifice himself for us. And he's the only one that could do that because he's the only one who has never disobeyed or rejected God. 
And so we can have hope because when we trust in Jesus, his death has brought us near to God. And it feels good to be brought near when you were once far away. That's something our family has experienced very personally about a week ago when we arrived at the DFW International Airport. After 23 months of separation, after over 6,000 miles of traveling, and for me personally, after about seven weeks of living with my in-laws in Alabama, the Greitz family was finally reunited. That was such a sweet moment. We hugged, and we laughed, and we cried, and we celebrated because we had once been far away, and now we had been brought near. And even though our reunion with Oma and Opa Greitz was so sweet last week, really that's just a glimmer of the joy that we can all experience when we are united with God and Christ, when we are brought near to God through the blood of Jesus Christ. We need to be united with God and Christ. So I want to ask you today, people of UBC, where are you? Are you still living apart from God? Is your sin still separating you from him? Because a life apart from God is just not what we have been designed for. And I don't know, but if some of you today are sitting in that pew and you feel hopelessly, hopelessly far away from God, there is hope. There is good news. Because Jesus can bring you near. Right before we left Germany, a friend of mine told me that she was interested in having a relationship with God, but that really intimidated her, and she just like wasn't sure where to begin. And if you're feeling that way too, I would encourage you, as I encourage my friend, to just talk to God. Just talk to him like you would a friend. And admit to him that you have been living apart from him, but that you don't want to live that way anymore. And believe and trust that Jesus' death on the cross is enough to fix your broken relationship. Now, if you don't know where to begin, or if you want to talk to somebody about having a relationship with God, Lydia or I or Pastor Jeremiah would gladly talk to you after the service. In fact, I would imagine that the friends next to you in your pews would gladly pray with you and encourage you. We need to be united with God in Christ. So before we continue in Ephesians, I want us to go back to Berlin for a minute. For almost 30 years, the wall divided that city. And during that time, the West and the East became totally different worlds. But as I think we all already know, that wall no longer stands today. On November 9, 1989, the wall came down. And here are just some incredible photos of that moment. Here you can see West Berliners pulling East Berliners up to the other side of the wall. Just the day before this, they could have been shot and killed for doing this action. In the next photo, we see West Berliners and East Berliners joining together on top of this wall that divided them from, for 30 years, celebrating the unity that they suddenly had together. And just as West Berliners and East Berliners celebrated that unity they had together, when we are united with God and Christ, we can also be united with each other. We can be united with each other. Because Jesus' death on the cross removed not only the barrier of sin between us and God, but it also removes any dividing walls between ourselves and others. And Paul explains this as he continues further in chapter 2, verse 14. Follow along with me. Paul says, For Christ himself has brought 
peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people. When in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. And he did this by ending the system of law with its commandments and regulations. He made peace between the Jews and the Gentiles by creating in himself one new people from the two groups. Together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross and our hostility toward each other was put to death. Now, having a right relationship with God impacts every area of our lives, especially our relationships with each other. That means divisions with things like politics, race, economics, and culture. In Jesus, they lose their power. Now, it's definitely true. We certainly retain our differences when we trust in Jesus. We don't lose them. But the prejudices and the fears that are caused by those differences should be removed. As Paul told the Jews and the Gentiles, their trust in Jesus united them. Now, people of UBC, since we are men and women who trust in Jesus, we need to be united with each other. Because our unity is a powerful witness in this divided world. And I know that's not always easy. I mean, for the last two years, we've been working with a team of people to plant a church in northern Germany, and we haven't always agreed on everything. In fact, we've had some sharp disagreements on that team. But we worked hard to maintain our unity because it was a witness in our neighborhood for Jesus. UBC, your unity here in Fort Worth is a witness in this city for Jesus. But it also has international implications. Because believe it or not, the way that you love each other impacts our work in Germany. At the same time, disunity in the church can create barriers. And despite this glorious, this powerful truth that Paul gives us in Ephesians 2, that in Christ we are one people, If we're really honest with each other, um, we still can criticize each other. We can judge each other when we're different from each other. And sometimes that causes conflict, even here in the church. And it seems like every day there's some kind of new issue or tragedy that is causing more and more division. And it's really sad because not only is that weakening your community here within the church, but it can also prevent other people from experiencing the good news about Jesus. And this is something that we have seen firsthand as we've served in Germany. For example, um, for the last two years, I was also meeting with a German woman, and she very graciously agreed to help me improve my German language ability. Um, But often, our conversations went way beyond the German language. And we had some really difficult conversations together, and she would ask me some really hard questions about the things going on here in the United States, because I'm one of the only Americans that she knows. And i got to be honest with you, sometimes her questions made me feel really uncomfortable and even a little defensive. Um, But I was always trying to find a way to steer our conversation towards spiritual truth. And one day, in particular, we were talking about a lot of different very complex social and political issues. And so I used that opportunity to share with her my hope in Jesus. And I said, you know, despite both of the flaws that both of our countries have, I still have hope. Because I know that when people love God and they trust in Jesus, he changes their hearts. And she looked at me, and she just kind of sighed and said, Lydia, I just don't see it. I don't see proof that people who love God 
are actually different from anyone else. That made me pause for a moment. And it was really heartbreaking to hear her say that. And she, um, you know, struggles because of the acts of injustice that have been committed in the name of Jesus in the past. But honestly, another big barrier for her is the division that's happening in the church, not only in the church within Germany, but also the church here in the USA. It confuses her that people within the church are just as divided as people in the world. And that's a barrier that's preventing her from coming to Jesus. And so after that one particular day and difficult conversation, I remember leaving her house and I was just praying for her. But I also became overwhelmed with this sense of conviction because during that conversation with this woman, it had been really easy for me to think of all these Christians or all these groups of Christians that I disagree with or I feel like are being inconsistent in their witness for Christ. But then I was like, man, but what about me? How often is my theology inconsistent with the way I live my life? How often do I say I love Jesus, but I just don't really act like him? And so as I was praying for the Lord to change the heart of my friend, I also had to repent, because I realized that unity in the church isn't necessarily gonna start when other people, when my brothers and sisters in Christ start changing their behavior, but it's going to start when I ask God to change my heart and my attitude and my behavior towards others. We need to be united with each other. Now, I know this is kind of a heavy topic, and this is a difficult part of the sermon, but I think there's a little bit of encouragement, and we can take a little bit of comfort from the fact that this challenge of unity isn't anything new. After all, Paul wrote this letter 2,000 years ago to the church at Ephesus because they were divided. But according to chapter 2, this division among us, it's so serious, it's so important that it must be put to death, which means we cannot allow our differences to divide us. So I want to give you a really concrete, practical example of what I mean for this context, okay? You ready? Boomer! Boomer. <laughs> Hook him horns. Jesus breaks down that wall of hostility. Baylor bears? What about those horn frogs? Jesus breaks down that wall of hostility. Let's get a little more serious here. Contemporary music or hymns? Jesus breaks down that wall of hostility. Democrat or Republican? Jesus breaks down that wall of hostility. Fox News or CNN? Jesus breaks down that wall of hostility. Native born or immigrant? Jesus breaks down that wall of hostility. No mask? Our mask, Jesus breaks down that wall of hostility. We could probably keep going, but any source of division between us, brothers and sisters, Jesus breaks down that wall. Because the reality of the cross is so much more powerful than these things that divide us. And we as the church must not be rebuilding walls that Jesus has already torn down. That means instead of focusing on our differences, we must emphasize the one thing we share in common, 
which is Jesus. So UBC, I want to ask you this question. How are your relationships with each other today? What walls are dividing you in this church? Is there someone you're holding a grudge against? Is there someone you need to ask forgiveness from? If so, don't waste another moment. After this service, go and be reconciled with your brother or sister. Because we must be united. Honestly, I think one of the most important and easiest ways that we can improve our unity is to think before we post. It shocks me how ugly and mean Christians can be on social media. Not only toward each other, but especially towards non-Christians. Imagine the unity and the witness we could achieve if we chose to stop posting such hostile things on Facebook and Instagram and started lifting up Jesus instead. Thankfully, Paul also gave us some really good practical application for how we can maintain our unity. His helpful tips that he gave the church at Ephesus still apply to us today. And he says later on in his letter to them, in Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 2, he says, Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. And picking back up in verse 29, he says, don't use foul or abusive language. So for us, I think that applies to not only the things that we say, but also what we type in text. Paul keeps going and he says, let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. UBC, We need to be united with each other. Despite our differences, let's keep striving to worship and serve together. Because this world isn't going to believe our message that we need to be united with God and Christ if it doesn't see that we're being first united with each other. So I want us to go back just for a moment to chapter 2 of Ephesians to see how Paul concludes this text we've been studying today with basically a summary of what he's already said. Paul says in verse 17, He meaning Jesus, brought this good news of peace to you Gentiles who were far away from him and peace to the Jews who were near. Now, all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. You see, Paul's saying here that Jesus didn't just bring us the good news about broken walls. Jesus is the good news. And as we are united with God and united with each other, We also need to be united in our message about Jesus. We need to be united in our message about Jesus. In verse 18, Paul says that all of us can come to God because of what Jesus did. This means that everyone deserves a chance to hear 
and respond to this good news about Jesus. And in today's spiritual climate, we can't sit here and wait on people to come into the church to hear the good news. No, we must go out and actively share the love of Jesus with others. We need to be united in our message about Jesus. And honestly, UBC, that's one of the reasons that I love this church, because I know that that's your heart, and that's your desire. That's one of the reasons that this month you're having this missions emphasis. That's one reason that today after the service, there's going to be a missions fair. And that's our goal, too, as we move to Berlin to plant a new international church. If I can just share one more photo with you of Berlin. Um, this picture is an image from Mauer Park which literally means the wall park. And this is the area of town where the Berlin Wall once stood, but as you can see, there's no more wall. And this is actually a place where people want to come and hang out and grill out and spend time with each other. It's a really fun area of town, and that's one of the areas that we're trying to plant the new church. And you know, even though Berlin is this living illustration of reunification, it's still a city full of women and men who are separated from God. And spiritually speaking, Berlin is a dark place. According to a recent city report, over 76% of Berlin residents have no religious affiliation. And less than 0.68% of Berliners attend a free evangelical church. So we need to be united in our message about Jesus because there are still so many people there that need to know him. And as Taylor and I have been living in Germany now for about seven years, we do see the Lord at work. There are people coming to know him, praise be his name, one by one. People are trusting in Christ. And there's a really cool church planning movement happening in the city of Berlin now. There's some great churches and ministries there doing good work. But because of the size of the city and the lostness of the city, there's simply more work to be done. So that's why we, Taylor, myself, and our sons, Luke and Caleb, are going to move there in December and start planning a new church. The city of Berlin that was once divided by this wall desperately needs to hear the good news about broken walls, which is the good news about Jesus Christ. And UBC, Berlin is not the only city that needs to hear this message. Fort Worth needs to hear this too. And you are part of the people of God who can go and share this good news with others. And so I have three simple questions I want to ask you today to help you gauge where you are in your unity. First, are you still separated from God because of sin? If so, trust in Jesus and let him draw you near to the Father. Second, are you experiencing division with each other? If so, focus on the unity you share in Christ instead of your differences. Apologize. Repent, forgive, and let God draw you together again. And third, are you sharing this message about Jesus with others? We all know somebody in our lives who is not walking with Jesus. Who is that person? The friend, the family member, the coworker, the barista, whoever, who you can go to and actively talk about Jesus this week. The blood of Jesus Christ has broken down the wall of sin that separates us from God and has broken down the walls of hostility that separate us from each other. So we need, as the church, to be united with God and Christ, united with each other, so that we can be united in our message about Jesus. This 
is the good news about broken walls. Will you pray with me? Father, thank you for this incredible news that you are the God who removes the barriers. You are the God who breaks down the walls between us and you and between us and others. And you do that so that we can have a right relationship with you, so that we can love and be unified with each other, and so that we can go and share this good news with the world. And so, Jesus, let that be an encouragement to us today, that you are the one who equips and empowers us by your Spirit to be witnesses in this world, that we might go and make disciples of all nations. Father, let us lift up and praise your name and go forth glorifying you and praising you so that others may hear of your goodness and worship you unified with us. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit we pray. Amen.